The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey. We are really glad to have you with us today. And I know I say that every week, but we are very glad every week to have you with us. Absolutely. Aren't we? Oh, man. We are. What a crazy week this week. You know, here in North Carolina, I know everywhere that I've lived, I've lived in California, lived in Indiana, lived in North Carolina. You know, apparently the police haven't caught up to me yet. <laughs> but uh, no, they, you know, everybody wants to say, you know, if the weather's going to change here in about 15 minutes if you just wait long enough, yeah. which I never really understood when I lived in San Diego because it was always sunny and 70. But it has been a crazy weather week. We've had snow. We've had 70-degree weather. We've had rain. But you wow. know, I was telling Robbie uh, Dillmore earlier this week, I've lived in North Carolina 33, 34 years now, and it's always like this. <laughs> we yeah. always have this weird kind of weather stuff that goes on this time of year. So, so I when everyone says, no, I have a, you know, yeah, it happens all the time. Okay, well, never so, mind, I'll be quiet. No, it's oh, okay. good stuff. I wasn't trying to counterpunch you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I feel a little bruised. Well, today we're going to be talking about pride and humility. And so I'd really like to actually kick it over to you, Dennis, to help yeah. us understand what is the difference between those two things? How would you explain that? Well, the reason why I really kicked in there a while ago, Sam, was because this, I thought this show was supposed to be all about me anyhow. <laughs> And that's kind of the definition of arrogance. Uh, I went to dictionary.com, offensive display of superiority or self-importance, overbearing pride. Uh, pride, and I wanted to kind of contrast, is there a difference there? A higher inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether it's cherished in the mind, like Al does, or it's displayed in bearing, conduct, etc., like some of us do. So, and humility, to contrast, modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance, rank, etc. Right, and and that's that's different from than a false humility. Right, because you know, a false humility it really is just kind of a pride and arrogance kind of thing, just downplayed mm-hmm. to some exactly. degree. And so, Al, if I want to ask you about something, I, I'd really want to know, in your opinion, how do those things kind of interact? How do they intertwine with each other? You know, the Bible talks about this in Proverbs quite clearly, and, and it's neat how they tie them together. In Proverbs eleven two, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. So there's tied almost like there's a path. And Proverbs eighteen twelve: before a downfall, the heart is haughty or arrogant. But the humility, but humility comes before honor. So again, you have a path to the downfall, but you have a path to rise up. And then Proverbs twenty nine twenty three, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. And that you know that's talked about I think in um, Philippians as well mm-hmm. about the low in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they know they can't do it on their spirit can't get to heaven on its own. We need Jesus Christ to get us there. Mm-hmm. But. I don't think you're saying that um, Christians can't battle with pride issues oh. or arrogance issues, right? I mean, just because we're Christian, we're not immune to it. You could be, you know, generally humble in spirit and then get an attack of pride with mm-hmm. your spouse at work over something silly. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand, as we talk about often on the show, that we're all in a stage of repair. Mm-hmm. When Christ comes into our life, we are 
healed of many, many things, but we're, we're redeemed is what we are to the Father. But th- then that sanctification process takes time. And so, you know, I've known people that were Christians, and people probably looked at me from time to time and said, really, you're a Christian? And, and mm-hmm. you could look at somebody that, that battles some of that pride and go, wow, how can you do that and be a Christian? Well, well they're just in the middle of that transformation. And you're bringing some of that with you from the past. Right. And it's not all worked out yet. It's kind of what you're talking about. It's not all worked out yet. There's still work to be done. You know, there's a there's a movie clip that we're going to go to, and it's from The Encounter. And it's um, this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's uh, Jesus is working the counter in the restaurant, and it's called The Last Chance Diner. And so a group of people come into The Last Chance Diner, and it's their last chance to get to know him, to let him work in their lives. And in this particular scene, we get a, a different view of hell and pride. I'll go ahead and kick it over to you. Nick, there's one thing for sure. There's no love in hell. There's no beauty. No hope. There's just torment. A kind of torment that comes from within. But surely no one would choose that if they really believed you existed. Not so. Nobody goes into hell blindfolded. In one way or another, I've revealed myself to everyone. But if they could just see you... Not even that would be enough. Look at Satan. He stood before me in the very throne room of God. But he thought the the beauty and the power bestowed was somehow earned gave himself over to pride scratch any sin and just below the surface you'll find pride people steal because they think they deserve what other people have worked hard for they they hop from bed to bed because they feel entitled to just satisfy themselves no matter who it hurts no matter what pain that it costs. Wow, I've, I've not seen that movie. And uh, actually, uh, I, I really would like to see that movie. It sounds like it's a very good movie. Oh, it's a great movie. One of my favorite. You know, one of the things that it said in there that, that really, had, when I heard it the first time, having not seen the movie, but when I heard it again this time, was that under any sin is pride. Right. I've never really thought about that before. That, you know... Is that really what's underneath there driving some of that? And, and maybe, you know, I don't know. But one of the questions I have for you guys is, is what does pride look like? I mean, can it take many faces? You know, I think back to one of Robbie's analogies, and I wish I could remember who he got it from, but there, there's many colors in the palette of pride. And you could have the arrogance where somebody's just uh, putting on airs and they think they're better. You have arrogance where people are bullying, belittling others. To gain their own self-esteem it could be rage um it could be uh, like he said in the clip adultery it could be um just a multitude of different colors gosh i throw that to you and now it's hard for us to answer i'm sorry (laughs) dennis how would you explain that well we talk about being authentic on this show and uh i feel like i have some experience in this and and god god kind of spoke to me about saying something about it when i saw something that al had talked about in, in coming into the show, and that is the uh, 
how this can be how this can be the comfort zone of the insecure i think al is how you put it arrogance is the comfort zone of the insecure absolutely and when i heard this clip i recall times where i was not uh uh respectful to women let's mm-hmm. say uh i recall times where i've had periods with anger uh with with control issues and i don't know that i ever saw that as being pride mm-hmm. uh back then that 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 there was ego as a matter of fact when i would hear people talk about ego and pride i thought i grew up as this shy kid how could i have this big ego and have this pride underneath of it was all this insecurity underneath mm-hmm. all these layers and i'm still battling that i've come to a wall on that which we've talked about and one of the things i'll speak briefly to and we'll talk about when we come back from the clip is for me it looks more like self-centeredness mm-hmm. that's where it really manifests for me it's often the filter i run things through is how is this going to impact me right which at the end of the day is pride to some degree and we do have a clip that deals with some of this it's one of our favorite clips that we use on the show it's from the movie Groundhog Day, and if you haven't seen it, it is so funny, and it has so many many biblical applications when you really look into it. But in this clip, what we're going to hear is you're going to Bill Murray's character talking to his producer, and he's really wanting to uh, get to know her better, so to speak. So let's listen how that interaction goes. So what do you want out of life, anyway? I guess I want what everybody wants, you know, career, love. Marriage, children. Are you seeing anyone? I think this is getting too personal. I don't think I'm ready to share this with you. How about you? What do you want? What I really want is someone like you. (laughs) Oh, please. Well, why not? Uh, What are you looking for? Who is your perfect guy? Well, first of all, he's too humble to know he's perfect. That's me. He's intelligent, supportive, funny. Intelligent, supportive, funny. Me, me, me. He's romantic and courageous. Me also. He's got a good body, but he doesn't have to look in the mirror every two minutes. I have a great body, and sometimes I go months without looking. (sighs) He's kind, sensitive, and gentle. He's not afraid to cry in front of me. This is a man we're talking about, right? <laughs> he likes animals and children, and he'll change poopy diapers. Does he have to use the word poopy? Oh, and he plays an instrument, and he loves his mother. <sighs> I am really close on this one. Really, really close. Really, really close. I'm so glad we can laugh at ourselves. <laughs> oh, you know, as you listen to this clip, obviously it's easy to see the self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. But if you really take a good look in the mirror, which I'm talking to myself now, that yeah. that may not be as prevalent that you see as openly. But man, it's there. Yeah, it seems as if, like I said before the clip, that I have to battle this thing of how does it impact me? No. That's not how I want to live. But it seems like that that's where the enemy attacks me with this part of pride and arrogance is. How's it going to revolve around you? How's it going to affect your life? Is it going to be more negative for you? Is it going to be harder for you? Is it going to take you out of a place of comfort, so to speak? So how does how does pride and arrogance play into posing? Well, I think there's a wound, and we recognize who we who we think we are, and so we want to be we project something else because we're afraid for people to see who we really are. Yeah, 
you know, we don't really like what we see, and so we're going to put out something that either we hope that they'll um, accept or that it'll put them off enough that they don't want to get close enough. Yeah. You two know, and you kind of see those both play out. 220, 221, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I was watching a movie this weekend called The Judge, and, and in that movie, it's got a lot of language. So, you know, as we talk about, we're not saying everything's great about the movies, but it deals with this man, played by Robert Downey Jr., that has this extreme, extreme arrogance. Incredible arrogance. And what you find out through the movie which I'm not going to ruin it for you, but I'm going to tell you about it when we come back. Okay. Uh, you're, you're listening to The Masculine Journey. We're so glad to have you with us. If, if you'd like to know more about what we have coming up or what's going to be on the upcoming show for the week, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. We have some blogs there that you might want to check out. Uh, we have some music blogs. We have some devotionals. There's some things that we do, and we'd love to have you check on that and get to know us a little bit better. Hey, Mom, how about this game? What's it rated? Let's see. T for teen with violence and suggestive themes? Uh, no. Know the video games your kids play. Check the rating and content descriptors. Read the rating summaries and set the parental controls. You'll be amazed at how easy it is to know. <sighs> this one better? Oh, much. Some games are for kids. Some aren't. For more information, visit ESRB.org. Here's Garth Brooks for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. There's an old saying about life, play the hand you're dealt. Well, I feel very blessed. I've been dealt a handful of aces. Other folks aren't so lucky. You may think that if life deals you a neuromuscular disease, you might as well fold your hand and give up. But most people who have one of the diseases in MDA's program don't give up because MDA helps. And with an aggressive research program in search of cures and treatments, MDA offers help and hope. To learn more, go online to MDA.org. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble When you're perfect in every way I can't wait to look in the mirror Cause I get better looking each day To know me is to love me I must be a Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble but I'm doing the best that I can. Dennis, is that still your ringtone? Yes, I use that from <laughs> time to time. You know what's funny about that? Mac Davis was a country music star that went mainstream in the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. Was in North Dallas 40, the movie mm-hmm. guys, if you remember that. Uh, he wrote a song a few years before that called Baby, Baby, Don't Get Hooked on Me Because I'll Just Use You and I'll Set You Free. And then a couple years later, he's writing about uh, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. With. So you think he might have had an arrogance and pride issue, guys? You know where he got that line? Um, I get better looking every day. What's that? That was in '72. Uh, Joe Namath wrote a book called "I Can't Wait Till Tomorrow" because I get better looking every day. Well, Hal knows same more music trivia than I do. I think there's a lot of it going on here. But we're we're having a little laugh with this, and 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 that's good. We're talking about some serious things. Mm-hmm. But guys and ladies listening. Uh, don't be too hard on yourselves. It's okay. We're in a process here. It's restoration. And there's something underneath that. As we, as we left, I was telling you a little bit about a movie that I watched over the weekend, and I won't ruin the whole plot for you, but there's this very, very arrogant man who's an attorney, and, and Robert Downey Jr. actually plays that pretty well, surprisingly. It's tongue-in-cheek a little bit. <laughs> but uh, he plays those parts quite often. But what you really find out through the show, there's some real woundedness underneath that. That, that causes it to manifest out. And now you talk a little bit about that woundedness that is underneath there 
earlier, but that's often what's driving some of that. Oh, absolutely. And, and I was teaching a class not too long ago on humility, and this verse came up, and I didn't really understand the relevance at first. But it's Proverbs 22.1, and it says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth, and loving favor is better than silver and gold. And a good friend of mine, Kevin Peels, always pushing to look up the words and understand the concept, especially in Hebrew. Well, when you use the word a good name, the Hebrew word for that has a concept meaning. It has both shame and honor. And I was struggling with that for a while, and, and I realized in prayer that there's really a path from shame to, to honor, and that's through humility. So that path is more desired than great wealth of a humble behavior that will lead you to honor, and we talked about that in the other verse. But loving favor is better than silver and gold, and that Hebrew word means graciousness. And that reminds me of this verse. I mean, it just takes me back to a painful time, probably the lowest point in my life, and that was when I was in the early 90s, I was going through a divorce and um, within and this is a two, a two month span, but or a three month span. But in the first week, my wife and I separated. The next week, my mother tells me she has terminal lupus, which she didn't. She lived another 20 years, but that got laid on me that same week. I heard about my area director and my co-manager having an affair and I made a joke about it. Um, the next week my wife gets a boyfriend and the next week I got fired for the joke. And so I got a job with a fr uh, my roommate who was a chef. And in that restaurant, there were two guys. One was a managing partner and one was a very wealthy man. And the managing partner was a con artist. So we were about to lose our paychecks. We didn't have the next paycheck coming. And I was sitting there thinking, man, it's going to be a month before I get paid. I got child support. I got all these other bills to pay. I can't take this on top of it. Well, the owner comes in and says, I'm paying all the bills. I've kicked the other guy out. I've taken full control. I'm thinking, what a stand-up guy. And, and he owned several buildings in Charlotte. He had an insurance company, very well off. And the next week, uh, or eight weeks after my wife and her boyfriend, um, got together, they moved in together with my son. And in the ninth week, this guy said, I don't want you coming over. You can't see your wife and you can't see your son. And so I got to that point where I was just miserable. I was in a rage and I just wanted to go after him. So he and I had it out and my roommate was there. He pulled me out. We got away from it. Well, this guy left um, messages on our phone and he said who he was communicated a threat to me and my roommate and he did this every day several times a day so my roommate finally said we got to do something and so we went to the magistrate we swore out a warrant for harassment and communicating a threat so i think okay this will solve the problem well i'm at work the next week and the owner walks in and he says al there's some police officers outside they have a warrant for your arrest for breaking and entering i was like what and my roommate who's the chef saying what are you talking about and we realized it had to be related to this. So he said, Al, this is a horrible thing to go through. If you don't want to do it right now or right here in front of all your friends and coworkers, I understand. I'll tell them to go away. If you want to go out the back door, that's fine too. How do you want to handle it? And I said, no, I'm not going to run from this. I'll go talk to him. I said, but rather than do it in your dining room or in front of your restaurant, I'll just go to the side, have them meet me there. So I go to the side and they're not there. 
So I end up going around to the front and then they're still in the restaurant. I go in the restaurant. Well, there it happens right there in front of everybody. <laughs> I get frisked. I get cuffed. I get put in the um, squad car. Squad car. And then they had told him that I was very violent, which I wasn't. And that I was probably going to, that's why they had these three big officers drive me down to the police station. And they explained to me that, you know, they accused me of this certain date and time breaking and entering and that they, he had a witness and the witness was my wife. And I just couldn't believe that I'd sunk so low that I was so miserable. And we were in a lot of debt as well. I, I had to get a lawyer now. I had no idea how to deal with it. And then they explained that they had to go book me and put me in a processing tank and then I would get a bail bondsman and that's how it was going to work. And so after they fingerprint me and booked me, they take me back to the magistrate. And I, th- I said, I thought I'm going to the holding tank. And they said, no, it's all been arranged. Um, you're getting out on release by signature. I said, whose signature? And they said, it was Harry. It was the owner of the restaurant. Wow. And I was, and I was terrified about that because I didn't want to be involved with him. He was so well-to-do and so well-respected. And I said, I don't know what to say. And he goes, well, he's right out that door in a Jaguar. All you have to do is he's, he said that he's the one waiting for you. And so I got out and I get in his car and he opens the door from inside and he starts talking to me about my future. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And he starts telling me about his dreams. And I'm, I'm just so humiliated that it's hard for me to process it all. So I think we're going back to the restaurant and we're not. Apparently his son had started a construction company and by hand restored a house in Dilworth in Charlotte. He takes me to this housewarming party with his wife, his children and his grandchildren. And they treat me like um, an honored guest. And I was just utterly humiliated. I'm wearing restaurant clothes. And all I wanted to do was get out. But and I didn't realize it till later because, you know, when you're in that, you have that anxiety and that fear and that um, misery in your heart, you just want to get out. And later on, he hit a, we had hired a consultant to help with the restaurant, but they had approached me about helping with a special chain of rotisserie chicken restaurants. And he wanted me to run it, but I was going to be the only employee to start it. And I was too humiliated to take the job. But I asked the consultant, I said, why is he not so nice to me? And he goes, Al, when he likes somebody, he likes them for life. I'm like, well, what makes him so nice? And he just paused and looked at me and he goes, both of his parents were in the Holocaust in a, in a internment camp. And he thought he was adopted because he didn't have the tattooed numbers on his arm. And they taught him about human dignity, about respect, about persecution, about when somebody's low, how you bring them up. So when we look at this verse, I was in that shame and he treated me with honor it was complete graciousness but as i became became restored and not long after this i came to christ and my struggle i became arrogant because i was afraid everybody was going to see the lowly man who was arrested and in this terrible place and so i became arrogant and i expected my family to be perfect to dress right the house had to be right. Everything had to be perfect. So my arrogance came out of that woundedness and that fear that people were mm-hmm. going to recognize the shame that I felt before. Mm-hmm. I know that for me, when I look back over the time, <clears throat> I would love to say that, uh, you know, I've only been knocked off, you know, into the, the, the depth at one time, but it, it's, it seems like it's 
in different issues, I, I find myself there. You know, maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational. You know, but each time when I look back, that's when the greatest growth has occurred on the backside of that. Right. You know, and being having not had that, well, I can't imagine where I'd be today. Now, I really don't want to relive that, but I'm, I'm grateful that God has let me go through that, survive through that, and get the growth and, and the healing and restoration on the backside. I believe that climbing out of the pit is what gives you the strength to stay out of the pit forever. I want to give you a definition of humility that was on uh, that was on Dr. Bob's desk. He was one of the founding fathers of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, it said this, Humility is perpetual quietness of heart. It is to have no trouble. It is never to be fretted or vexed, irritable or sore, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me, and when I am blamed or despised, it is to have a blessed home in myself where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace, as in a deep sea of calmness when all around and about is seeming trouble. Well, that's a nice place to get to, isn't it? If we can. Yeah, yeah. Peace in the midst of chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I can't imagine when we were doing the show, I was kind of like, okay, God, where are you going to go with this? I mean, I know we want to do this show. I know we've talked about it. But as we've been doing this, a lot of what he's been doing, at least for me, is saying, hey, let's go look in the mirror again. Yeah. Let's go look and see, is there more work to do on this topic? Maybe it doesn't look the same that it did five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But at some level, we all probably still battle this for periods in our life. As you said, it kind of cycles through. It's it still, it, I still have these, uh, I get emotional just talking about it. Um, because that feeling comes back of who I was. But when you talk about that place, you know, it's easy for me having been so low to completely surrender to God because, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I still had to go to court. I had to get a lawyer. And I actually, while I came to Christ, found the receipt that covered the time while he, they accused me of breaking and entering. Yeah. And God delivered me through that. After that, how could I not? Trust God for everything. And that's what we need to do. We need to look to God and say, God, I do trust you. I do tr trust where you're going to take me. But it's a risky place. Yeah. It's risky to stand in front of that mirror and say, who's that person I really see? Male, female, it doesn't matter. We all battle this. And, and the good thing is, Christ has already paid the price. We just got to let him come in and heal and help us move through it and find the truth on the other side. And that's really what this show is about, is helping us all find that truth on the other side. Well, thank you for listening. Again, visit uh, MasculineJourneyRadio.org if you'd like to get more information on us or things we have going on. Thanks.